Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. Hey, good morning, faith family and friends. It's so good to be with you again today. I love Pastor Eric and Rachel's message last week. And thanks again for helping us with the pie auction to get the kids up there to that conference. They were blessed. They loved it. And uh, we we heard some really good testimonies. So thank you for that. I want to jump in and I want to kind of get right into the message really quick today. So we do have the things working out with the outreach with Cross Ministries that we're trying to to do with them. What, what we've done is we've communicated with them and we found out they don't need just a bunch of groceries. There's some specific things that they're really um, needing badly. And we're going to go ahead and try to take up that mantle and try to get them what they need. We're looking for peanut butter and a good price on it because peanut butter is not cheap. And we're looking for macaroni and cheese. Uh, that's the two that they need the most because it's easiest for the kids who are home to be able to feed themselves and to have something to eat. And uh, also some cereal. They're, they're asking about cereal, but we're really focusing on peanut butter, macaroni, and cheese, and then if we get enough, we'll get to cereal. But those of you who jumped in to help us, thank you so much. If you still, it's not too late. Uh, we're right now looking at different um, outlets, distributors, to find the best deal so we can get the most for what we have and to be able to feed the most people. So that's kind of the update on that. I want to jump into prayer real quick to get our hearts set. I know you've already prepared your house. You know that, that this is time with God. I, I want to encourage you parents to go ahead and keep being an example for your kids to honor God. You might not be going to church, but we're still having church. Amen. And we honor God with setting this time aside and, and letting him speak into our lives. So I want to commend all you parents that are doing that. Let's go ahead and, and pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for in, in dark and crazy times, you're there and your grace is sufficient to get us through. I right now just draw on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Help me convey this message in such a way that, Father, it is revelation to those who hear it so that we can be better on the other side of this message, able to complete and to carry out everything that you have for us and to let our light shine in a very dark and broken world right now. Thank you so much for that. We ask you to just bless this time together. And we thank you for the many blessings on each and every one of us as we've grown, come together digitally to receive from you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going back over the last three weeks of our series on agape, the, the unconditional love of God. It's the highest form of love. It's God pouring himself into us and, and letting us know just how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. So I want to jump in, and today we're going to be talking about, the title of the message is Agape Applied. Okay, hold on one second, sorry. I hope I muted my mic and it's back on now. So, but um, we're going to jump into the Word, and we're going to jump right into um, 2 Kings in the first chapter, and we're going to look at verse 5. And 2 Kings... The first chapter, verse 5, says this. Let me get my scriptures right here. It says, uh, When the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, Why have you returned so soon? 
Now, here's what he's talking about. Here's the king of, of Israel, not the king of Judah, and he has fallen off the second level of his palace, house, whatever he's living in, I don't really know. But it says he fell through some lattice and he fell to the, to the ground floor. And he's injured himself and he's hurt pretty bad. So he tells his servants to go and inquire to Bel. Bel is another word, basically it's devil worship. And he's telling them to go and inquire to, to Bel. And what's happened is the kings of Israel during this time uh, a lot of them kind of got off course and they were allowing different things in. They ended up doing some idol worship, some, some devil worship. And that's kind of the case that we're looking at right here. So he's sending his messengers to go inquire basically to the devil to see if he's going to get better. But God has a different plan. God goes ahead and he has an angel of the Lord speak to, to Elijah the prophet. He says, go head them off and, and I want you to share this with them. And he has a message for these messengers. And that's what happened. They'd left to go, but they came back really soon. And the king says, why have you come back so soon? Now, this king is king. I don't really know his, his, how to pronounce his name. It's Aizai, you know, it's hey, what's up? I mean, I don't know what it is, but anyway, it's him. And A-H-A-Z-I-A-H. Uh, if you know how to pronounce it, gold star. But anyway, that's his name. And he, he's in Samaria, it's where his house is, in, in Samaria, and he's there, and he's hurting, and he's on this bed, and then Elijah shows up, and we're going to pick it up in verse 6. Um, they replied after he says, why are you back so soon? A man came up to us and told us to go back to the king and give him this message. This is what the Lord says, he, this is it, man, God's, speaking, God's kind of calling him on the carpet for what he's doing, how he's leading this is what the Lord says. Is there no God in Israel? Why are you sending men to Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, the devil, to ask whether you will recover? Therefore, because you have done this, you will never leave the bed that you're lying on. You will surely die. And the king gets all worked up. What sort of man was he, he says. <clears throat> and they replied, he was a hairy man that wore a a leather belt around his waist, and the king knew who it was. And he exclaimed, he says, Elijah from Tishbe, he knew, he knew this was trouble. So he sends a captain of his army with 50 men to go and to find him and arrest him. This is verse nine. They found him sitting on top of a hill. The captain said to him, man of God, the king has commanded you to come down with us. But Elijah replied to the captain, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your 50 men. And then fire came down from heaven and killed all of them. They were fired. But so anyway, now, so the king sent another captain with 50 men. The captain said to him, man of God, the king demands that you come down at once. And Elijah replied, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your 50 men. And again, listen to this. The fire of God. This is the fire of God. The fire of God fell from heaven and killed them all. Well, the king's not got any skin in the game. He sends another captain with 50 men. But this one, he's learned. He's figured out what's going on. Once more, the king sent a third captain with 50 men. But this time, the captain went up the hill and fell to his knees before Elijah. 
He pleaded with him, O man of God, please spare my life and the lives of these 50, your 50 servants. That's some wisdom right there. Anyway, see how the fire from heaven came down and destroyed the first two groups, but now please spare my life. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him and don't be afraid. So Elijah came down and he went to him with the king. So here's what's happened. You know, we see that, that this king was in rebellion to God and he was going after the man of God. And then we see the fire of God come down. And, and it's a pretty, you know, pretty graphic situation. But then I want us to go ahead and look, go, let's go into the New Testament and let's see what it says in Luke 9, starting in, in verse 51. This is Jesus in the same area, in Samaria, the same area. See what I did there? Anyway, so he's there. Let's start in verse 51. It says, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. Now this is right before Jesus is fulfilling the law, paying the price for our, our sin on the cross. He, he's about to cause the shift from the Old Testament being fulfilled and then us being out from under the law of the Old Testament and now operating in the New Testament. We've talked about this over the week, so it should coincide if you've been on this series with us. If you haven't, I encourage you to go back. They're very easily, readily available for you to watch and you'll see how they tie in. But we're about, Jesus has shown how we're about to enter into this, this new dispensation, this new age of grace. And that's what we're about to see. It says here that, um, so he went, his face, he, he, that, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, verse 52, and he sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans back in the same area to prepare for him. But they did not receive him. Now, why would the Samaritans, you know, resist or, or say, no, we don't want you here? There's, there's so much racial tension and, and, and hatred between these two people groups. It's, it's really sad. The, the Jews believe that you have to worship God in Jerusalem. The Samaritans believe you have to worship God on their mountain. Uh, the Jews believe the Samaritans are a little subhuman. They're not really, they're not as, you know, they're not equal to them, so they look down on them. The Samaritans hate them for that, and they, they resent them for treating them like they're less than. So you have this, this animosity and this hatred going on, and when Jesus is coming through, he's going to Jerusalem. They're like, well, that's not where you worship God. So no, he's not welcome here. Listen to what the disciples say. Verse 53, but they did not receive them because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, two of his closest disciples, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Well, now, if we're, if we're just looking at Scripture, then that would seem kind of normal. But listen to how Jesus responded to them. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit that you're of. He, rebu he harshly rebuked them. He, he let them know, no, that's not the way to do it. And then he went on, it says, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then it says they went to another um, village. Now let me ask you something. Did the fire of God fall down and kill people for resisting the plan of God? Yeah. What's the difference? Why was it okay for Elijah, but Jesus turns and rebukes James and John? Why would that happen? Well, the reason is because 
And, and what Jesus is, is trying to show us and what we've been talking about through this whole series, it's about that love of God, that love of God that was released when Jesus fulfilled the old covenant, the Old Testament, the law, and paid the price for sin. Now we can freely receive the love of God. It's no longer God's method of raining fire down to destroy them. Now Jesus is correcting them and saying, I haven't come to destroy men's lives, I've come to save them. And see, what we have to understand is when you're reading the word, you have to know and, and, and be aware of how, how does this fit in context. Am I reading something that's under the old covenant? See, these men were under the old covenant. They were under the law. They were under a curse. And there was swift judgment back then, and, and we just saw the example. But now Jesus is showing us something new. He, he's, he's right there in those final moments, and he's showing us. He, he's saying, like he said many times, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. And, 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 and he's showing them that this is coming to an end, and this is the way it's going to be from here on. And we need to see this. Because see, we live under the, the new covenant. We live under a covenant of, of grace. God's grace is here for us. And, and we don't have to worry about the punishment of, uh, of, and the wrath of God falling on us. And here's why. Remember last week we looked at the scripture where God said that he has reconciled the world to himself through Jesus. He's doing all the work. He's doing everything that needs to happen. And then it went on to say he's not accounting men's sin against them anymore. Sin's not a big deal to God now because Jesus already paid the price for it. Doesn't mean it's not a big deal, it is, but Jesus was willing to pay the price for it, so now we don't have to worry about it being the thing that separates us and keeps us away from God. I hope that makes sense to you, and we see what's going on here. So we look at, um, at this and, and we start thinking, well, if, if that's why, then let me ask you, how are you responding to things you're seeing in the world today? And I'll tell you why I say that, because I'm hearing some things that are just kind of, it's grieving my spirit. We're not supposed to be judging and condemning. There are people today that want to stand up and they want to preach eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And they want to be in this, this position, this lofty position of deciding that they can judge the, the different people in the world and they can judge their, their values and they can judge their choices and, and, and they're going to judge that ministry because it's not doing the way they want it to. And I'm telling you, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. That's not for this age. This age tells us that we're to bless those who curse us. We're, 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 we're to pray for those who despitefully use us. We're to love people in spite of what they do. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians aren't doing that. And we're looking at the headlines and we're looking at what's going on and we're making our declaration and we're, we're not being effective for what God wants to happen. And what I mean by that is we've got a group of people out there that they know what we're against. They know we're against this and we're against their morals and we're against their lifestyle and we're against you know, their choices. And, uh, but you know, the problem is they don't know what we're for. They think that we're against them. And it's not only is it causing them to resist the gospel that we're to proclaim, this message of reconciliation. They're resisting it because they see so much judgmental hypocrisy from people who say they represent God. 
and they're hearing all that's wrong with them and it's causing them to resist and it, it's causing us to lose a generation because they feel judged and rejected and, and, and demeaned and who wants to go be part of somebody who's judging you and, and condemning you? No, we're supposed to what? We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to be a voice of love that comes in and lets them know that, hey, you know what? God loves you so much that he did everything that was necessary to, to open up the opportunity for you to be free from your sin and to have an everlasting relationship with a loving father who has your best interest at heart. Not somebody that just wants to tell you what's wrong with you. And I think that we as, as, as Faith Family Church, we can pick this up and we can declare the love of God. We can decide that's not going to be us. We're going to be the ones that are going to say what God's doing and what he's for and what we're for. And that God loves you right where you are. And that we love you because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. And now we want you to be able to come in contact with us and actually experience the tangible, unconditional love of God simply because you're his child and he wants you back. Not because of anything you do or don't do. I hope that makes sense to you. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians now are, I mean, a lot of people outside of the church, they have a very negative opinion of Christianity in the church. So much so that they not only are resisting it, but they have anger. There's a rage going on right now where if you watch the news, you see they're, they're attacking and destroying statues of Jesus. How sad is that? They're attacking churches. One guy drove his car into, through the front doors, got out and poured gas and, and lit it on fire while the service was going on. So we wonder why. Why is this happening? Well, Barna Research... They're a group that does um, polls and, and they, they do um, statistics and things like that. And what they did was in, in 1996, Barna Group conducted a poll and they asked people that were outside of Christianity. They said, do you have a favorable, favorable view of Christianity? And in 1996, 86% of the people said they did. But if you fast forward nine years, in um, 2009, they ask another group of people that were not Christians. They didn't go to church. They were outside of Christianity. They asked them, do you have a favorable opinion of Christianity? And this is just a poll. It's just random people. And you know, this time it was down to only 16% of the people had a favorable view of Christianity. Well, let me tell you something. If they think that we hate them and that we're against them, they're not really going to be open to the good news that we have to share with them. Amen. And when asked about what do they think of Christians, they think we're a bunch of self-righteous hypocrites that we want to judge everybody else and then go do our own little sins in the closet. I'm not saying that's, that's factual or it's accurate, but that's how they feel. So enough of this has happened to where they feel judged, they feel this animosity, and now they're responding to it. And there's really kind of a no-holds-barred with the destroying statues of Jesus and stuff. So where does that leave us? Well, I believe as Christ followers that this is no surprise to God. I believe that his grace is sufficient for us. And I believe that he has us, you and I, here for such a time as this to go ahead and to walk out this plan he has for us. To go ahead and let this agape not only get to us, but for us to learn how to let it get through us and impact the communities around we can't go out and tell them what's wrong with them and, and expect them to, to run to us and want to hear what we have to say. 
You know, we live right on the coast of Florida and we live very close to the Gulf Stream and some of the best fishing anywhere because the Gulf Stream is so close. And we have, I have a lot of friends that fish and, and they love to go out fishing. But you know, not one of them have ever cleaned a fish before they caught it. Why? Because you can't do that. And God has called all of us to be fishers of men. So we need to learn how to, to be able to bring them in before we try to clean them up. And to be honest with you, it's not our place to tell them what's wrong with them. If we're not careful, we literally become modern day um, Pharisees where we puff ourselves up with self-righteousness. And we want to set a look at how great we are, but how bad everyone else is around us. And it, it, it determines the way you respond to people, whether you're condemning and judging them or whether you're feeling empathetic. Because you know what? If it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be right there with them. And that's the truth. If it wasn't for, for the saving grace of God and, and salvation through Jesus Christ, every one of us would be just as bad or worse than some of those that we're talking about. And we need to just be real and honest about it. And we need to, we need to go ahead and say, okay, now because I've received this, how can I package it so other people can receive it too? Well, I want us to look at a story that we can see another example. And we're going to rush through the story, but it, it, it's a good story. And I'm hoping that you're going to glean some stuff from it that's maybe going to not only inspire you, but encourage you and uh, maybe even strengthen you to, to kind of get ready to go out and let that agape flow. You know, get that sloppy agape, just start slinging it on everybody. And it doesn't matter who they are, where they came from, what they did, just let them know, hey, God loves you right where you're at. Because he does. Amen? So here we are. Now, this is Jesus again. This is Jesus again, who's leaving Judah, and he's going to Galilee, but he has to go through Samaria again. And he comes into the city of Samaria, and the Bible says that it's, it's getting late, he's hungry, uh, he's thirsty, so they stop at this well, and the disciples go ahead and go on into town, and Jesus sits down at the well. And while he's sitting there, a woman from Samaria, now you've got to know this backstory so you understand what's going on, she's coming there by herself, which is totally out of character. It's, it's, it's not according to the traditions of the day. All the women would come to the well at the same time. Well, for one thing, they got to fellowship and hang out. For another thing, it was security. The more of them, the safer they were. But here, this one's coming by herself, which tells us she's an outcast. Okay, she's not welcome with all the other ladies. There's something going on there, so we've got a red flag up about that. The other thing I want you to notice here is here's Jesus, a Jewish rabbi. He comes in and he sits down. When this Samaritan woman, remember the, the animosity and stuff between them, when she walks up, she would have never expected him to even acknowledge her. A rabbi would never talk to an unescorted woman, and he certainly wouldn't engage in a conversation. But when this woman walks up, Jesus engages her in a conversation, and he starts talking to her. Now, what I want you to know is, though the city has shunned her, suddenly she finds value in this Jewish rabbi. It's going to cause her to to be off her guard. She's going to be like, what's going on here? She's going to kind of be interested in, in what, why are you doing this? Matter of fact, let's look at the scriptures and you'll see what I'm talking about. John chapter 4, verse 7. This is what it says. It says, it says, Then a woman of Samaria said to him, she walked up to the well. You can go back and read the story. It's a great story. And said, how is it that you, being a Jew? Now she walked up to the well and Jesus, he, he, he engaged her and he said, Please, you know, get me a drink. And she was totally thrown off. 
how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? How are you even talking to me? How is this happening? She would have expected to have been chased off. But instead he's asking her to get him a drink. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Then Jesus answered and said to her, and, and we're going to go through this because you need to hear it. Uh, you don't have to jot it all down. I just encourage you to write the references down so you could go back and look at it. But we're going to have all of them on the screen for you. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you, listen to this, living water. So as, as he goes and, and, and they get into this conversation, they start talking, and she's like, well, you don't have anything. How are you going to draw water? You don't have a bucket or a rope, basically, is what she's saying. And, you know, you're no better than, than our father Jacob, who gave us this well. He drank from it. His sons drank from it. Their livestock drank from it. <clears throat> and Jesus talked to her, and he said this. He said, whoever drinks from this water... Now, I want you to see this. Again, this is Jesus now preparing her to receive what's about to happen. Remember, he's about to go to heaven. He's about to pay the price on the cross. He's about to fulfill the law. And he's getting people ready to receive this incredible act of love that God has, which is salvation through Jesus. So he's talking to her, and he's telling her, people drink of this water, they're going to thirst again. But the people who drink the water I have for you, they'll never thirst. And then in verse 16, I want you to jump in there. It says, Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. Now what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is letting her know that he knows. That he knows everything she's done. He knows everything about her. But yet he's still talking to her. He's still offering her this incredible gift of living everlasting water. He's letting her know that he knows. Listen to what it says. <clears throat> Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly, and that you spoke truly. So what he's, Jesus is here, he's talking to this immoral woman who's had five husbands, now she's living with a guy who, who, who's not her husband. He's letting her know, look, I know everything about you, but I'm still offering you this gift. I want you to notice that Jesus did not, you know, well, let's go on. Let's go on. She, she's with a guy who's not her husband. And I want you to notice this. Sorry, I got a little mixed up there. Jesus didn't address her deeds, what she was doing wrong. He addressed her needs, what she needed. And that was everlasting life. That was salvation through what he was about to do. And see, I believe this is an example for us to learn and to see how Jesus handles this. How, how did Jesus deal with it? Did he go out and judge people for their deeds? Or did he address their needs? We used to have the hats, we had the bracelets, we had the posters, WWJD. Well, what did Jesus do? He loved people right where they were. He didn't condemn them because they did something that he wasn't comfortable with or something he didn't approve of. He brought them what they needed so that they could rise above whatever it was that had them in bondage. So they could be free from their sin 
and become the person that the Father created them to be. Amen? Verse 22, he said this. He says, you worship what you do not know. We know what, what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But listen to this. But the hour is coming and now is. You hear that? That's exactly what we talked about before. Remember when we talked about eschatology? We, we looked at the fact that, you know what? It's here, but it's not here in its fullness. Already, but not yet. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. And I want to encourage you. That's what Jesus is doing. He's preparing her, letting her see what's already available, but the fullness of it is not here yet. And he's saying the hour is coming. Look, look what it says. But the hour is coming, and now is. It's coming, but it now is. Same thing. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Listen to what Jesus said. This is amazing. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He's letting her know that this is, this is happening right now. I am the Messiah. Now this encounter with the Messiah who, who, who addressed her needs and not her deeds. Let me ask you a question. Did she remain immoral? Did, did she stay in, in, in the, the lifestyle? No, you know what the Bible says? It says she actually became an evangelist. It said that she went back into the city that had shunned her and with such enthusiasm and sincerity, she proclaimed that the Messiah was here and the whole city came out who was just ready to shun him. They all came out to receive him and they actually invited him to stay for a few days so that they could be with him and he could share with them. You see, it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. It's not the judgment, the condemnation. And it certainly is not a bunch of Christians judging and condemning. We need to understand that we're in a different time under a different covenant and there's a different way to handle things. Amen? So, I got one more I want to talk to you about and then I'm closing. In John chapter 8, starting in verse 10, Jesus is there and all of a sudden here comes this mob of people. They've got rocks in their hand. They're dragging this woman along and they proclaim, they say, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. So you can imagine and picture, she's probably in disarray, probably frantic. This mob is ready, they're bloodthirsty and they're ready to kill her. They're already carrying their rocks, but they want to try to set Jesus up. They want to try to get him to, to say something contrary to the law. So they drag her to him and they throw her down and they says, Moses says to Stoner, what do you say? And I love Jesus. He's not pressured or pushed by anybody. He looks at everybody and they're all saying, what do you say? Yeah, you know, we're going to stone her. You know, you can imagine the scene, right? This whole mob of people. And he kneels down. And he starts writing in the sand. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote in the sand. But when we see the effect of what he wrote in the sand, I think we can kind of figure it out. He's there and he's writing. And it's for a while. He's writing. And they're still saying, what do you say? Hey, hey, what do you say? Moses said stone or what should we, what do you say we should do? And they're holding their rocks. And he just keeps writing in the sand. And the Bible says he stops writing. And he looks up. And he says, let he who's without sin cast the first stone. And he goes back down and he starts writing again. Now we don't know what he wrote, but this bloodthirsty mob who had drugged this woman right out in the middle of the town square and was screaming that they were going to stone her, 
all of a sudden, based on what he's writing in the sand, the Bible says that they're convicted in their conscience. And one by one, they start dropping their stones and they start walking away. And he's still writing. He's still writing. Now, we all have different theories of what it was. I believe that whatever it was caused them all to realize that, you know what, we all have some issues in our life that we need to take care of before we start wanting to throw rocks at somebody else. Now, yeah, the, the law under Moses said that she should be stoned, and that was true. But Jesus was preparing them for what was about to happen. He was giving them an introduction to this new relationship with God that was based on love and not works and not rules and not, not things that you had to do. But it was a, a relationship based entirely on agape, the love of God. Now, in John 8, verse 10, it says this, When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. Listen to what Jesus said. Neither do I condemn you. She was caught in adultery. She was doing something immoral, something unethical, something, something that she shouldn't have been doing based on, on God and, and the way that God wants us to live. But Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And he said, now go and sin no more. It, it, it's, in, it's incredible how when people are confronted, even in the midst of their sin, how when they're confronted with love, and they're confronted with, with mattering and, and, and they're important and they're not being rejected, but they're, they're being reached out to, how they respond. Again, and you've heard me say it, but it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance, not the condemnation and the judgment. And Jesus was the living example of that for us. Verse 12, he goes on to say, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Are we Christ followers? Are we Christians? Do we have the love of God in us? Are we ready to let it flow through us? If you remember in our first week, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, this is Jesus speaking to us. He says, you're the light of the world. Jesus just proclaimed that he was the light of the world, but now we're the light of the world. Why? Because his love is on the inside. The Bible says that he comes and lives on the inside of us. When God deposits and he, he fills our heart with his love, well, guess what? God is love. And God's in us, and he's enabling us. Yeah, it might not be easy to, to, to be positive and, and to be loving all the time, but with God's help, we can do it. We can go ahead and love a world that maybe, maybe they don't deserve it, but neither did you and neither did I. But God still loved us. He says, Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Listen to this. Let your light so shine before men. This is all men. This is the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your goodness, they may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Instead of reeling from us because they feel like we've condemned them and we've judged them and, and, and we hate them, what if they realized 
that we're just there to love them. Instead of them always hearing what we're against, what if they realize what we're for? We're for them. Our church exists to see people come in contact. We live to connect people to Christ through community, enabling them to discover their divine destiny and then walk it out. But we, it's not Faith Family Church a building. It's Faith Family Church me, Faith Family Church you, Faith Family Church us, loving the world. We want to see the world change. We want to see this darkness dissipate. We need to hit it with the love of God. It's what changed our lives. And now we're the tools in the master's hand that's ready to go impact the world and to let them see that God truly loves them no matter where they are. God truly cares for them no matter what they've done. And that Jesus has paid the price for them. That there's nothing anymore that can separate us from the love of God if we just accept what Jesus did. So I want to encourage my church family. Let's not get down. Let's not get weary in well-doing. The world needs the love of God to flow through us now more than ever before. And we need to let that light shine. And if you're watching this, maybe you were invited to watch, or I don't know, maybe you just stumbled on it. But you didn't know God loved you that much, and you didn't know there was a church that loved you that much. I'm here to tell you, Faith Family Church is that church. We love you. We want to help you. We want to meet you right where you're at. And we want to lead you to the things that God has in store for you through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you, if that's you, if you would bow your head, close your eyes. All the church people are going to bow their heads and pray with you. And we're going to say this prayer to God, not based on anything we've done or haven't done, anything we've paid or haven't paid, anything we've earned or haven't earned. We're going to say this prayer based on the, the love of God that he's made available to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for depositing on the inside of us, those of us who are Christ followers, and allowing us to let that light shine so that those who are lost and in darkness might find their way to you. For those of you who are ready to receive that, we're not asking you to join the church. We're not asking you to become one of us. We're asking you just to receive a gift of love that was given over 2,000 years ago when Jesus went, died the death of a sinner on the cross to pay the price for my sin and for your sin. So if you would say this with me, Heavenly Father, today... I believe that your son came to be my savior. I believe in my heart and I'm confessing with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I am now the righteousness of God in Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you don't see it here, but there are hundreds and even thousands of people. Well, maybe not, but I'm just imagining but there are people cheering for you right now. They're excited. All of heaven, there are thousands and thousands of angels that are celebrating and cheering. And uh, they're throwing a party right now because you accepted Jesus. And we as faith family, we all work towards this just to present you with the option. And if you have received Jesus, we want to be here for you to help you to understand that love that we're talking about. To help you get focused and, and, and to walk towards God and understand that he's there with open arms ready to love and embrace you and, and change your life forever. God loves you. We at Faith Family Church love you. And we just want to say happy birthday.
you were just born again. Amen? Well, praise God. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up now. Um, Faith Family Church, family, you guys are awesome. You're enabling us to be a blessing in Myanmar. I know Pastor Don's got some pictures going up in Myanmar. The wells are going in and just some amazing things are happening. We've got stuff going on in Greece. They're building uh, um, buildings and things for the, for the ministry there that we're sponsoring. And you sponsor them every month. Money goes there. And it's because of your generosity and because of the heart of God and the fact that you're being, that you're being faithful to continue to tithe and give offerings as God instructs us in his word. And for those of you who are doing that, you are our rock stars. We love you, and we couldn't do anything without you. Amen? If you want to give, if you want to go ahead and, and sow into the ministry, it's going to come on the screen there. If you have any questions about what we've taught or you need to talk, you have a prayer request, you can go to myffc.tv, and there's places where you can let us know. And if you're part of Faith Family Church and you're struggling and you need something, uh, get in touch with us. We'll do whatever we can. God loves you, and he will meet you right where you're at. Thank you, guys. Have a blessed day. Remember, Sunday's a fun day. See ya. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook. Thank you.